0: the need for communication between product and the rest of the company exponentially goes up in value when you sort of layer on top of the sale, the product led growth motion a sales led growth model
1: welcome to build the podcast from openview i'm your host Blake Bartlett and the show features conversations with software founders leaders and investors Each episode unpacks a new key insight on how to build your company and navigate the fast-changing world of software startups. At some point in every PLG company's life, you're going to have to build for the enterprise. This is what the journey looks like. Most companies start by focusing on individual end users and prosumers. From there, you build a team's product and start selling some real B2B deals. And you eventually go from small teams to larger teams, maybe even whole companies albeit usually smaller companies like startups at first. And then, at some point, your bottom-up adoption reaches its final destination. You've successfully grown from the bottom all the way to the top of the top, the C-suite of the largest organizations in the world. Congratulations, you have arrived. Welcome to the enterprise. But don't pop that champagne bottle quite yet because now you have to build an enterprise product, and that's a hard thing to do. Embracing the enterprise means going from one to many, one product to multiple products, one funnel to multiple funnels, one go-to-market motion to multiple, combining both bottom-up and top-down. Going from one to many in all these different areas increases complexity exponentially, and complexity breaks things. Namely, it breaks people, process, and product. Thankfully, our guest today is Annie Pearl, Chief Product Officer at Calendly, and previously she was Chief Product Officer at Glassdoor. She's mastered this journey to the enterprise, and she shares her playbook with us today. So let's dive right in with Annie Pearl. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining us here on the build podcast. It's great to have you on the show.
0: Great to be here, Blake.
1: So we're talking about a common thing that every PLG company faces at some point, PLG businesses need to embrace the enterprise. What does that look like in practice for your average PLG business? What have you seen?
0: Yeah, I think maybe it's p- important to start with why. Why do all PLG businesses sort of at some point need to embrace enterprise? I think there's usually two reasons that maturing PLG companies sort of hit a point at which they sort of need to start thinking about embracing the enterprise. I think the first is, The self-service model naturally begins to slow in growth as companies just grow in large size in terms of revenue scale. So when you're getting into the hundreds of millions of dollars in sort of PLG revenue, naturally law of numbers, you know, the growth rate year over year is going to, to slow. And I think the second is to become really ubiquitous across departments in a company or across several departments. You really have to engage in tops down decision makers to be able to meet their sort of security and compliance. Needs to ultimately roll out your product at scale. And so the introduction of the sales led model on top of this PLG model can actually sort of reignite growth, but also accelerate it. So if you can get these two flywheels, the PLG and the sort of sales led flywheel, to be working in tandem, you can actually sort of produce compounding effects on the business. So just kind of starting with the background of why does every company sort of go through this at some point? And then I think when you go to make this shift effectively, there's really two parts of the transformation. I think one is on the product side and the other is on the go-to-market side. And so on the product side, you know, you're you're sort of moving from serving just the needs of individuals to teams of users. You're going from serving the needs of individuals to department leaders, from individuals to the IT buyer. So you have a shift of the audience of who the product needs to be solving problems for. And then I think on the go-to-market side, you know, you sort of go from maybe no sales team to building a sales team from the ground up or inbound sales team to, you know, maybe an outbound sale- selling motion. And similarly on marketing and similarly on customer success, right across the whole organization, you're sort of going from similar simple to complex or from one sort of model to building new models across the organization.
1: So it's an inevitability, and I have definitely seen that um, from from my perspective as well. You know there's just a point at which you either get pulled into the enterprise and people start just asking, "I want to go wall to wall with this product, um, but I need x and y and z in order for that to happen." So there's a pull dynamic, or, like you said, the law of large numbers. you know we have many public PLG businesses now that are you know at billions of of revenue, and when you're trying to keep billions of dollars of revenue growing at a compelling rate, it's just uh, only so far you can get on credit card swipes. Uh, you start have to, having to take down much larger deals in order to, to keep the, uh, the thing going in the right direction. So it is an inevitability. And it's easy, though, to, I think, look at it as something that might be simple. It's just, well, just add enterprise. Uh, we'll add a new motion, right? Um, but as you're pointing to, it's easier said than done. There's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot of complexity with this one-to-many across a number of different factors. So I guess... What specifically makes that challenging? What what does it break in the organization when you try to add this new motion?
0: Yeah, I think there's three main components in every organization that that sort of get impacted when you start to add this complexity really everywhere across the business. The first is around people. So, you know, we just talked about potentially building up brand new departments, scaling the existing departments that exist. And many times the folks you have in the existing departments need to either acquire new skills or you need to start bringing in a different skill set or experts with more specialized skills. So there's this this change in terms of the people required to get the job done, whether that's new departments or whether that's within existing departments, the skill sets and the experiences that you need with the folks around the table to be successful. So I think there's a people component. The second is process in a sort of just PLG world, in many ways, organizations can, different departments within organizations can operate in silos and they can, you know, sort of have their task and get their job done. And there isn't necessarily need to be a ton of cross-functional integration of plans or collaboration. And when you move to not just having a product-led growth motion, but layering on top of that, you know, a sales-led motion, this complexity requires that there's tight integration between the product roadmap, the market, Roadmap, the sales team, you know, plan for the year. The, the customer success team, a hiring plan, and so you really have to make sure that the processes tighten up within an organization to ensure that there's a lot of integration. Uh, and then I think the last is on the product side. Uh, you know, touched on this in the beginning a little bit, but you really have to start thinking about new personas with very different needs. Uh, you need to start thinking about supporting more sophisticated use cases and and balancing that against the simplicity with which your product probably went to market in just a plg world and then also you have to think about the product led growth motion as a lead gen mechanism to your growing sales team so you know sort of across people process and product just the exponential nature of the complexity with which you need to invest uh, and integrate uh, across teams to make and to make this transition can can cause chaos if not done with a lot of intentionality
1: so, in short, it kind of breaks everything because when it's people process and product, that basically covers That's your company touches, everything <laughs> in the company, yep <laughs> so going to the enterprise, uh, yeah, do not do it uh, in an unadvised manner. It is very serious. Uh, it breaks everything. so if we look through those um, those three lenses, people process and product, you know I know you've seen this transition done successfully multiple times, so, in your experience and from your view. Let's start with people, perhaps. Um, How do you tackle the PLG plus enterprise transition in terms of people?
0: Yeah. I think, as I mentioned before, a little bit of a mix of, of new roles, as well as expansion of the talent profile or the skill sets you need in existing teams. So I'll break it down. You know, first thinking about the product team. So you know, typically product-led growth companies are, are tend to be made up of, of folks on the product team who have experience in sort of more consumer product management, maybe growth product management, and all of a sudden now you need to start thinking about bringing in talent who has experience building for the enterprise, right? So product managers who have experience building for the admin persona, thinking about the needs of of IT in terms of security and compliance, and you know, more robust. Uh, reporting mechanisms, and so you, you know, going from more consumer skill sets to bringing in folks who have more experience directly building products for um, for the enterprise is, is one piece of it. And I think the second is then the evolution of the talent you have in C, you have to really think about the product and the way you're building your product through the lens of not just the end user anymore, but also what does this mean for the larger organization that I'm building for? And so you can get away with a lot more when you're just building a consumer product in terms of A-B testing and experimentation. When you have, you know, IT who's purchased this for an organization, there's this expectation that the way in which end users use the product, oftentimes it's very integrated in their daily workflows, that you know you're not gonna just make changes willy-nilly to the product that may impact the end users. And so I think you have to really educate those who are in seat to understand, you know, how the work that they're doing for end users ultimately has to be thought through the lens of not just that end user, but also the larger organization that they're working for. So I think that's on the kind of product side. On the go-to-market team, as I already mentioned, you know, spinning up new functions, you need to be really clear on what the ideal talent profile is that you're going to search for. So as you're beginning this journey, bringing in your first, you know, set of sales reps or sales leaders, you likely aren't going to want to hire someone or a team full of reps who've only worked in sort of more traditional enterprise-led companies where there's high-touch selling, there's longer sales cycles, and really expectations around customization of the product to close large deals if that's at odds with sort of where you are in your journey. So, making sure that you're hiring the reps and the sales leadership who understands where you are in your maturity model and isn't expecting, you know, know, the same level of product customization and, you know, way you go to market when you're chasing after really, really large deals. I think that's really important and helps with some of the tension that you often see between sales teams or go to market teams and product teams when there's misalignment uh, around that, which sort of leads me to the third piece, which is just executive level alignment in terms of people of how are you going to win in the enterprise, right? Are you going to be chasing large deals? Are you going to be building what enterprises want if it sacrifices the end user experience you know, are you going to say no to product requests that lose deals but allow you to maintain simplicity in your product? So the more alignment you can get at kind of the executive level, I think the better you'll set your teams up for success in terms of expectations around who you hire, what your sort of the talent is you're trying to bring on the
1: teams, and, and how teams collaborate. So, there's a lot in there um, to unpack. I think one thing that initially stands out to me is that, you know first and foremost, you you need to think about the skills, the additional skills that you don't currently have in your team, the capabilities, the competencies, the backgrounds, the experiences on product, on go to market that you need to bring in and supplement. However, you also it's not just a we need this type of a person, go get them, and then they're gonna know what to do. There's a lot of context that's needed. You kind of mentioned, understanding where the company is today, where the product is today in its journey so that you don't just kind of come in and, you know, brute force, copy paste a playbook uh, onto sort of an existing model, but you kind of do it in the right way. And so it's both the skills, but it's also this kind of this context piece that sounds incredibly important.
0: And I think it's even as, as, as tactical as like terminology, you know, and as tactical as what our approach is to selling into the enterprise. And, you know, are we really trying to go sell into CIOs as our first step? Are we starting with, you know, department heads, and then moving to centralized IT, and then thinking about a motion where we have, you know, more of a a CIO level buy. And so I think that alignment at the, you know, starts at the executive level, cascading down to the company around the approach to how we're going to go on that journey and ultimately win really dictates a lot of the people related, both skills that, that, that we're looking for when we're hiring, as well as training of folks who are in seat to be able to align to that.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the uh, the alignment piece that you mentioned, the executive level alignment, because there are, there is more than one way to embrace the enterprise. You sa- Like you said, are you going to go to the C-level and or are you going to go to IT? Or are you going to go sort of bottoms up still and sort of kind of come up through the organization? There are different ways to tackle it. You're trying to take down the entire enterprise account kind of from day one. Or are we going to do more of a land and expand? And getting on the same page with that and having the alignment and then using the same terminology, talking about the strategy in a consistent way, all of that's super important, which really kind of starts to point to that this is not just, again, filling roles and adding competencies. That's important, but there's really this massive cultural shift that happens when you take this this step.
0: Yeah. The second sort of area here, process, I think, is also another way of talking about culture, right? Everything prior to, and in a world where you're just focused on PLG, again, you have the ability to have teams operating many times in, in siloed ways. And as you start to think about moving into the enterprise, you have now these highly cross-functional dependencies. And so you need to make sure that you're, the way you do planning changes so that there's clear company goals that encapsulate both PLG, you know, revenue or arr as well as sales led you need then cross functional okrs or whatever planning mechanism you do that support both those channels and then all the way down to the team level you know individual team roadmaps across product across sales across marketing across cx they all need to layer up into these highly cross functional okrs that are going to be in support of both product led growth and sales led growth. And so that's a pretty big shift from a overarching planning process that happens at companies. In addition to that, I think you also see the need for new feedback loops, right? Most of the time in a more of a PLG world, you can get all of your product feedback either in product or through, you know, reaching out to end users who are using the product and getting more qualitative feedback as well as, you know, quantitative feedback in terms of how people are using the product. When you move up market or you start to have this sales-led model, you need much more tire feedback loops from the admin, from you know the buyer of the organization, from the department lead, and make sure that that customer feedback's coming into product, as well as that product is doing a good job really you know, getting feedback in terms of what's been launched and making iteration to what's been launched to make sure it's actually meeting the needs of larger and larger customers. So there's a whole bucket of work to think about new feedback loops and processes to ensure you're building the right things to solve the right problems for your customers that are ultimately going to make them successful with your product and then i think the last thing on process is communication right and the the need for communication between product and the rest of the company Exponentially goes up in value when you sort of layer on top of the sale, the product-led growth motion a sales-led growth model. Uh, that's everything from product roadmap, what's coming down the pipeline. It's giving advance warning around things like product changes. It's you know product launches become much more cross-functional in nature. Uh, they have a lot more dependencies and they need to be a lot more you know tightly coordinated. So there's a lot of things around communication as well that folds into sort of the need for more process or adapt adaptation of your processes as you're sort of moving that market.
1: So this idea of going, it's kind of uh, going from single variable uh, or single factor optimization to multivariate and lots of complexity as we've been talking about. But you know what that looks like in practice is you, you kind of have to unlearn some of the ways that you've uh, gotten to 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 this point of being successful today, you have to unlearn some of the things that have been, you've relied upon and some of those muscles that you developed, some of those cultural tenets. You know, this idea of having a single factor, a single variable that you're solving for in the case of PLG, a lot of times it's the end user as, as we've been talking about. And what, what can we do to make the end user's life easier? What things can we do to sort of um, uh, deliver surprise and delight to the end user? And um, then if you also then have a more startupy earlier stage kind of orientation towards speed, you know, move fast and iterate and just get it out there. If you combine those two things, but you're going to the enterprise, you could actually shoot yourself in the foot. And so needing to think about those multiple variables, multiple factors and then not necessarily just orient towards speed and fast optimization, but instead taking a step back, actually kind of going slow to go fast is is sort of what it sounds like to me in a lot of ways.
0: Yep, And I think there's also philosophical alignment that needs to happen on the product side around what are you willing to and what are you not willing to do as you layer on the complexity. Right. And so, you know, you could make the call that at the end of the day, the north star for the company is maintaining simplicity of the end user experience, and we are not going to make sacrifices to the end user experience in service of you know the needs of large customers and unlocking deals. And we can make that call, but then you have to make sure that's very well communicated, that's very well understood, and that you're going to maniacally focus on it. You know, alternatively, you could you can make a, a philosophical call around how you'll start to add in the need support the needs of larger customers, bring more complexity into the product. And, you know, sometimes that may be at the cost of the end user experience, but, you know, in totality, this is going to be better for all customers uh, and better for the business overall. So, you, you know, you sort of have, have a philosophical conversation around how do you want to approach the product going forward as you're laying in some of this complexity in terms of personas that you need to be able to solve problems for. Uh, and oftentimes the needs of the buyer being can be at odds with um, the simplicity, maintaining a simplicity of the user experience. So I think that's a big piece on the product side as well. I also already mentioned, you know, the sort of notion of A-B testing experimentation. There's a lot more tolerance for that in in, in just a PLG world. And as you start to, you know, have paying customers, and enterprises using your product, where there's built into their daily workflows, they're using your product. You cannot just willy nilly run an A, B test and impact the end user experience without advanced warning. And so that's another way in which sort of the the way you have to think about your product needs to change. You need to figure out how do I still experiment and get the advantages advantages of experimentation while at the same time, you know, knowing, making sure that we're doing what we need to support uh, the predictability of the product for large
1: customers. And then I know that there are some fundamental trade-offs in embracing enterprise products um, from a starting point of simple PLG, if you will, which is that you, in the early days of PLG, you do want to make things as simple as possible, as easy to get started, as easy to get value, strip away all of the excess stuff. How can we remove friction and just get you to that sort of aha moment as fast as possible? And and that's a beautiful orientation. However, as you go to the enterprise and you serve sort of larger organizations, different industries, more use cases, you need to add more functionality. And so the product basically becomes less simple. It becomes more complex. So how do you think about that trade-off of you have to become more complex, but you don't want to become so complex that you lose your original way of of sort of the beauty and simplicity of why people love you in the first place? So how do you manage that kind of trade-off?
0: Yeah, I think there's two, two pieces of this. I think the first is really more around kind of prioritization. And what happens is you sort of go from just the PLG to adding on a sales led model as well, as you're going to have this prioritization tension between the two, uh, just from a pure resourcing perspective. And so I think, the the way to really help with that is having a very clear product strategy and alignment around where you are going to play, how you're going to win, and therefore what the capabilities are that you need to build in order to be able to win. And if you have alignment around that, then the prioritization between you know what are we going to be building for end users versus what are we going to be building for the department head versus what are we going to be building for the admin they all are in service of the markets you're trying to play in or the areas you're trying to play in and your strategy for how you're going to win so i think it really starts with having a clear product strategy and letting that guide a lot of the decision making around prioritization between what can be this tension between do i work on you know something for the end user do i work on something for the admin as i'm thinking about working on something for the end user? Do I keep it, you know, as simple as possible or do I do it in a way that's going to really solve for the needs of the larger organization? So I think getting a really clear pr- clear product strategy is one way to help with a lot of the sort of prioritization challenges that come with supporting both of these funnels. And then I think the second is, you know, using things like product principles and design principles to really be your guiding light in the execution of how you add in, you know, features and functionalities that are aligned line with your product strategy, but doing so in a way that maintains the simplicity of user experience uh, or what got you here and made you so successful to date. I think you can use, you know, product principles and design principles to really help more at the tactical level uh, as you're then developing the features that you've uh, you've decided are part of your longer term product strategy for how you'll grow both the product led growth funnel as well as support larger and larger customers through a direct sales motion.
1: The other thing that I've seen here is the uh, the ability to sort of bridge that gap through solutions as well and um, through solutions both in terms of how do you package up features. Both from a product standpoint, from a product marketing standpoint, and a messaging standpoint to sort of go after individual industries or use cases or needs while still sort of maintaining at the atomic level the simplicity for the end user, if you will. A great example that comes to my mind is is LinkedIn. You know, if you use LinkedIn as as an individual sort of person who signs up and, and creates your profile and networks on it. Kind of been the same way that it's always been, you know. Um, they've added some more capabilities. The network has gotten stronger. There's all this content stuff going on, but it still is the same fundamental thing. But then the stuff they sell to the enterprise is a talent solution, a recruiting solution, uh, a sales solution, an advertising solution, and you know, adding that complexity and orienting towards that solutions doesn't actually affect you as just somebody who's on the network but it does add that value and it does um, give them that ability. So have you seen this solutions piece be uh, important in this transition?
0: Absolutely. I think you touched on, you touched on one version of it, which is we can create new products within an organization for other personas within that organization that don't, doesn't necessarily need to be built into the horizontal product that we built for sort of the the average user within the organization, right? So, you know, in, in Calendly, for example, where 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 I, I work, you know, we think about different personas and different departments within organization. We serve sales, we serve recruiting, we serve customer success teams really, really well in terms of helping them better uh, schedule externally. And so as we think about, you know, building products for those personas, we have opportunities to create distinct and different experiences for those audiences that aren't necessarily available or don't impact the more horizontal scheduling product that's used more broadly uh, across any persona in any organization. So I think you have the opportunity to build specific solutions for personas within organizations in a separate sort of UI and a separate SKU, leveraging horizontal capabilities that you have on a platform, but you can go intentionally build for more purpose built experiences for different personas without having to try and shove that all into one horizontal UI. Um, So, definitely seeing that as one way of sort of more solution oriented ways to solve the needs of a specific persona in a more in depth way without building that complexity into the sort of horizontal platform. Uh, The other thing is, you know, just 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 taking more of a platform approach as well, you know, creating a, a, a more customizable product that can be, can be customized for a specific departmental need through more of a platform approach as another way to do it as well. So creating, you know, more of an open platform where you could actually do custom development for a specific user that again, doesn't need to be built into the horizontal product that is, uh, you know, sort of impacting every single user, but you can actually spin up new experiences for those personas.
1: So, what I'm hearing through that in this uh, this discussion around solutions is that solutions, when done right, gives the customer the ability to opt into complexity uh, without overwhelming them from the beginning. It's You can still start the journey the same way. You can still use the basic use case, get the initial sort of basic straightforward value. But then as you continue on your journey, you can kind of you know it's choose your own adventure. <laughs> you want to go down this path and get some more value in this direction great, we'll, we'll sort of help you in that direction, but we're not going to overwhelm you with it out of the gates unless you ask for it. So that ability to sort of you know progressively introduce more complexity and more options and more solutions to deliver more value as somebody goes through their journey, uh, it's a way to sort of maybe get away from the, it, it's got to be all or nothing right out of the gates sort of orientation that some folks can have when... They go towards the enterprise.
0: That's right. And I think it also easier to come at that if you started off as more of a horizontal platform and you then can sort of go deeper in certain areas and spin off solutions for different personas. I think it's a lot easier to go from that angle than starting with specific personas and building purpose built, you know, deep products for those personas, and then trying to move into new personas or move into more of a horizontal product. So some of it also starts with, and you see this in a lot of PLG companies, they start off with pretty horizontal products in nature, and then they sort of see adoption in different parts of organizations that then lead them to say, oh, here, you know, we have incredible product market fit within these, in these three departments, we're going to start to build, you know, some more in-depth functionality for those users, which then allows them, that's a jumping off point to go, you know, potentially build a, a different product experience for that user that doesn't have to impact the more horizontal nature of the product that they sort of originally came to market with.
1: And I liked the the other piece that you mentioned around um, the platform opportunity. It's it's even another layer of sort of the ability to opt into complexity because at some point you do have to draw the line. You know, you're not going to build everything that can be built, even if there is value. And so there is a point at which you can kind of do a handoff to to your partners or to developers or to integrations and things like that. And so the the choose your own adventure of, of complexity uh, and the what you can opt into can keep going and going and going you know some people have incredibly complex and sophisticated slack instances with every integration you can imagine and all this stuff wired up and it really has become their work os but some people just still use it for basic chat and that sort of opportunity through platform and extensibility uh, is another really important layer to consider so yeah, we've talked about she- a lot of stuff today oh sorry go ahead
0: no, no, no. I was just going to say, I think one of the one of the great things that has happened as well over the last decade is sort of this, you know, this consumerization of IT and the investment in organizations into productivity technology and sort of like moving to the cloud is it has been a increase in resources internally in organizations, especially large organizations, to be able to create and build customized experience for end users to make the most productive And so the platforms that have been built through the lens of being API first and and thinking about wanting to enable organizations to build custom experiences to meet their needs, you know, it's sort of as this perfect storm to taking away a lot of the lift that would historically have been put on technology companies to have to build lots of customizable solutions themselves. They can really offer it up as a platform, choose your own adventure, let the organization really build uh, more of a purpose-filled version of, of your product for their employees to make them most productive based on their use cases.
1: So in closing, for any PLG company that's on the cusp of this transition, they feel the pull or they want to sort of make the step towards enterprise where should they initially focus? I know we've talked about a lot of stuff today. So what do you think is foundational step number one?
0: Yeah, I think summarizing a lot of what we talked about, which is what happens when you make the transition, what are the biggest challenges you want to get ahead of? I think you kind of take a step back. The most important first step is getting alignment, starting at the executive level, and then trickling that down into the company around what your approach is going to be towards this transition. And I think it's really answering two questions, right? On the product side, it's what is our philosophy around how we want to evolve this product to meet the needs of larger and larger customers as it relates to balancing the end user and the needs of of IT and, and the admins of an organization. So I think there's a philosophical product question that needs to be answered. And then I'll go to market side what are the types of go to market teams that you're looking to build up and therefore what type of talent and experience and skill set and expectations do you want to build into the team that you're spinning up uh, in order to marry that with the product philosophy and ultimately be successful as a whole organization if you can't get alignment on those two questions you know what's the product philosophy and what's the type of go to market team that you're looking to build I think you're going to set the company up for really failure because everything from the people you hire to the processes you put in place to the product decisions you make may not. You know, will be at odds potentially with either one department thinking the other department isn't doing what they need to make them successful, uh, and ultimately you'll slow down. You won't move nearly as quickly, and you won't accomplish you know the goals that you have as an organization. So, I actually think the most fundamental first step is is alignment and getting alignment around what your approach is, how you're going to win as you make this transition, and then setting those expectations with the product team, with the go to market teams that are going to enable them to work collaboratively and serve of a a very aligned around strategy for how you're going to win as you move up market.
1: So what I'm hearing from that is that uh, patience is really important (laughs) and sort of crawl, walk, run. Uh, Don't try to skip steps because I do think a lot of times folks just want to do things. They want to make progress. They want to feel like they are you know, doing the enterprise thing, you know, let's get that enterprise sales leader, let's get that seat filled and like, let's get going as fast as possible, or let's build that feature. But you can actually get ahead of yourself and get over your skis if you do that, if you haven't planned and had a a great strategic direction. And so you kind of have to, as as you're saying, you have to decide what do we want to be when we grow up? When we grow up to be an enterprise company, what do we want to be? What are we not going to be? Let's get really clear on the strategy. And once we have that, then we know we then we can start taking action. But don't put the cart before the horse. You got it. Awesome. Well, Annie, this has been an incredibly helpful conversation for me and I know for everyone listening right now in terms of how to make this inevitable transition that every PLG company faces. So thank you for walking us through your experience and your wisdom. This has been great.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was a blast.
1: Thanks for checking out Build. If you enjoyed the conversation today, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so that others can find the show as well.